Hello, I'm Mark Fearborn with the Washburn Review. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing the Democratic and Republican conventions, their outcomes, and third-party voting. I'm joined today by my fellow editor, Adam Vlock, at the Washburn Review. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Good to have you. All right, so to begin, the RNC and DNC. A lot of different people had a lot of different reactions to both of those conventions, respectively. What do you think, Adam? Well, um, I think the uh, RNC was more entertaining. Um, <laughs> well, e- even the speech was. Uh, the The DNC, well, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because the DNC had a lot of um, celebrities, pop stars come in, like mm-hmm. Katy Perry and stuff. Yeah. Um, so... As far as, uh, but as far as the actual s- the speakers, let's get to the speakers themselves or the the candidates themselves, right, the nominees. Um, I enjoyed Donald Trump's speech more than Hillary Clinton, but that might just be because Hillary's. I don't think she's as good a speaker. She's as entertaining as a speaker. Yeah. Not not just compared to Donald Trump, but even compared to people who preceded her, like Bill Bill Clinton's speech. And Michelle Obama's speech. Oh, man. Michelle Obama's speech was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like, there were so many people that came before Hillary whose speeches were so much more riveting than her own. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't think that Donald Trump's was as persuasive. It was just funnier. It was more entertaining. He was... Would would you agree? The thing about Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's speech is that it's probably, out of all the speeches I've seen him give was the least, I don't know what the word would be, abrasive in your face. Yeah. Like, he, he had a different tone. He was much more composed, I think, in this one. And um, While some of the statistics were a little bit skewed that he referenced, I, I do think that his general presentation of it was a lot more formal than some of his other speeches, especially at his rallies. Right, and he even actually apologized. I don't know if you saw that, but he he apologized to evangelicals. Really? For for some of our viewers who haven't seen the speech yet, can you give us a little bit of an, in, an He said on that? that he apologized to evangelicals and said that, I know some of the things I've said, I don't deserve your vote, but I know you've given it to me, and so I thank you for that. He said, I'm sorry, hmm. he said, I don't deserve it, but thank you anyway. Well, and he got like a standing ovation for that. And I've never say, seen yeah. him apologize before ever. That's that's a step for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Learning to apologize. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh what do you think um what do you think was the biggest point from Hillary Clinton's speech that stood out to you? I mean, like you said, not as riveting, but if there was one thing that you took away from it, what what would that be? Um the biggest thing wasn't necessarily anything that she said. It was the. It was really the the convention, the uh, the audience, because mm-hmm. there were rumors that there was going to be a big walkout from Bernie Sanders supporters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you heard oh, that. Oh, them exit. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that never. I mean, there were there were some like from some some states yes, delegates some walked the, out, delegates but there walked. there wasn't a big walkout. There was nothing where the where mm-hmm. whatever network panned over and, and you saw a mass exodus. That didn't happen. So there was a lot more unity in the DNC than I thought there was going to be. I thought it was yeah. going to be very a lot lot more divided than it actually was. Yeah. I I do say, you know, a lot of those delegates, um, they worked really hard to get all the way to Philadelphia, excuse me. Um, so it's 
it's very interesting to see any at all exit. You know, I do, I understand the frustration that they have with the party, especially in light of the WikiLeaks emails, but a lot of those people don't understand that there's not much else they can do to kind of encourage change if they just walk out and just say goodbye to the entire party. Is, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, but their walking out is just their refusal to endorse um, the status quo. Yeah. Which is which would be Hillary. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about nothing's going to change. Well, staying in there and not leaving is endorsing having no change, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean... A lot of the people that left, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know if you were saw this, but third party candidate uh, Jill Stein was actually holding a rally right outside of the um, of the DNC. So those people who left, uh, a lot of them were switching over to a third party vote. Uh, from what it looks like, to where any kind of change that they could have had by remaining in the Democratic Party. You know, it's it's not really possible for them to encourage as many people to to kind of change their opinions about this if they're switching over to another party. Is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the thing about voting third party, which I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Was if you're a third party from the beginning. So when did people start announcing their campaigns? Like, like I want to say 15 months ago. Yeah. Like it was like before last summer. Mm-hmm. So if if you've always been third party, then you should vote third party. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how I feel about people being diehard Democrats or diehard Republicans, and you know, voting that all their life, and then and then when their party doesn't pick the candidate they want, then going third party, mm-hmm. because the whole point of having the primaries, the primary system is still a democratic process, and. What's the point of having – what kind of democratic process is it where I agree with the democracy as long as you choose what I want? If the democracy does not mm-hmm. choose what I want, then I'm going to jump ship. A kind of selective exposure, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just but, – but then there's the – and I'm not – I know Ted Cruz said this, but it, it really is uh, an issue though too is the issue of voting your conscience – like when you feel like you just your conscience won't let you vote for somebody, right? Like say your party, not like a, a lot of it. I think well, this has to do with the Republicans. A lot of people just can't vote for Donald Trump. They mm-hmm. just can't stand him. They think he's a a bad person, just a genuinely bad person, and they can't vote for him. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you have do you go with your conscience and vote for someone other than Donald Trump, even though your party chose him? And then on the other hand, it's like, okay, but you registered as a Republican. You lived your life as a Republican. Can you just jump ship as soon as they do something that you don't like, or are you part of a team? And what would you say to independents who may be leaning one way or another, but may, may be prospecting a third party now? Well, if you're independent, if you register as independent, um, you can vote for whoever you want. That's that's the beauty of it. The the downside to that is you don't get a vote in the primaries. True, right. So that's kind of the, the give and take with that. What about those people who were independent, registered as Democrat or Republican in the primaries, and then re-registered as independent for the generals? Are you able to 
change your registration between oh yeah prim- yeah okay. i've done it myself actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was independent um then changed to democratic for the primaries and then have just now gone back to independent um you can do that but just because you're registered as a you said you registered as a democrat just right. because you registered as a democrat doesn't mean you couldn't vote republican in the in the uh, in the general so what's the point of re- changing back just for the general when don't whatever you registered as only affects your voting in the primary. Mm-hmm. After that's over, it doesn't matter what you registered as. You can vote for whoever you want. Right. So there was what was the what was the point of going back to independent just for the general? Well, for some of those people who have this as their first election cycle, you know, I don't. This is the first time that they've actually been old enough to be able to vote. They. I don't really know if these people are can be classified as diehard Republicans or Democrats yet when they've just now gotten started into the political system. So for them to change between independent to Republican or to Democrat or to Green or Libertarian, you know, I I can't really say that I agree that they're they're diehard either way when they're still trying to get a feel for where they stand politically. So say they've you know taken a chance with the uh, Democrats or Republicans in the primary and they don't really agree with one of the candidates uh, you know for example uh, Bernie Sanders compared to Hillary there's a very big difference in support for something like the Trans-Pacific Partnership for those youngsters who are and I know this sounds a little crazy but very very informed and against the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, for them to lose that primary candidate who had a very clear stance on it, but then also go, you know, to, to consider having to choose one who now is in favor of it, for example, what's to say that they couldn't just switch to a Green Party candidate who has a platform that mirrors Bernie Sanders on something like the Trans-Pacific Partnership? You know, this is their first election cycle, and if they they see someone who they really like and they think has a chance of winning... They should be allowed to go for that person, but also, if that person doesn't win, are they really are they allowed to vote their conscience on something? You know, someone who's from a third party who potentially has a platform similar to that candidate who who lost. Well, I'm never gonna say someone's not allowed to vote their conscience. Right. Like everyone has that right. I just think, like, so at the DNC, they depending on which network you were watching, right. showed a lot of very young, uh, probably early 20s people in the crowd wearing Bernie stuff, crying, just just bawling, their, it, eye, bawling yeah. their eyes out. So to say that they're young and they can't be die hard, uh, and, and like you said, there are people that are young, college-age millennials, that are really well-informed. Yeah. So what is the point? So yes, they can vote your conscience, but what's the point of... Um, like, why would you register as part of a party if you don't believe in that in the party as a whole? You just believe in one person, and if that one person doesn't make it, then you're out of the party. Then what? that's that's a good question. Um, I think I don't necessarily know if you can consider Bernie Sanders himself and a Democrat, though. Cause well, he's an independent. He is, yeah, and he so. re-registered back to independent right after the the DNC was over. Um, but in order for a lot of his followers to play the game kind of the way that he has chosen to play it, they had to switch for him to have a chance in the primaries. Now, 
I can't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with his stance now, considering he has um, gone from an independent to Democrat to independent, but now that he's going back to independent saying, vote for this Democrat, you know, even though I myself am not considered one way or another. Um, it's, I think that he's doing it in, with the thought in mind that Donald Trump cannot become president, you know? Um, what do you think about that? Well, that sounds like he uh, doesn't really believe in the Democratic Party. He was using the Democratic Party as a platform to get to where he to wanted. To try and to, attain to, some to be, kind of to, beca to become president yeah. of the United States. Right. But he didn't really believe in the, in the Democratic Party itself. Mm -hmm. So and what do you think about someone doing that? Well, I, I'd say that, you know, it's kind of a testament to where our election system is right now, actually. Um, a lot of us who maybe wanted to become president, you can't just run as an independent or a third party now and, and become president. It's very hard for someone to try and go into this without having to get involved in the Republican or Democratic parties at all. Um, so I think with Bernie Sanders, somebody who is, you know, very politically active, he's been in the Senate for decades, I guess. Um, I think he's someone who would know this better than anyone else, that he knows how the system works. And in order to, if he really did believe in becoming president, if he was to remain independent and not try and go through the democratic nomination process, I don't think that you'd see him with the kind of following that he has today. Now, was that necessarily right? No, I don't think so. But I do think that maybe there is some kind of reform that needs to be made to the election process that can prevent people from feeling the need to have to hop onto a bandwagon, Republican or Democrat, in order to feel like they can make some kind of an impact in the political system. But you said that you don't think that if he had joined the Democratic Party, he would not have gotten the following that he right. did. yeah. But the reason he got the following that he did was that he was so, well, so different, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, radical is probably, mm -hmm. he, he is very, very left-wing. Mm -hmm. So why does it matter whether he was a uh, Democrat or independent? It was, it was his ideas and mm -hmm. his ideology that people flocked to. It wasn't his party. That's that's a good you, question. You can see yeah. that the the Democratic Party was very split throughout the primary, right? Especially millennials, for the most part, mm -hmm. were for Bernie Sanders. You know, it's it's interesting because I think that you're right that he had a, a kind of a personality and platform that attracted a lot of people, but by that same logic, why is it that someone like Bernie Sanders? whose platform is mirrored by someone like Jill Stein, why has she not attracted the same kind of following, you know? Um, I think that a lot of people's first impression of a candidate is based upon that political alignment. You look at someone and they tell you that they're a Republican, you're going to make a hundred different assumptions about that person. Same with Democrats. And I think that in order for him to allow people to humor him, when he first began running, I think that he felt he needed to try and go through the Democratic nomination process to let people know to start off, 
these people, while I don't have a platform that's entirely similar to theirs, I'm farther left than they are. But this is what allows those people to look at him and start to to investigate his stance. You know, if he had gone to the Republican side, you know, the same following that looks at him now. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't really research a candidate unless they've already gotten that initial thing to hook them in. If he had been Republican, he I don't think that he would have the following he had if he was independent people would look at him and say, you know, I like him, but I don't think that he can win. For him to try and go through the actual process that the Democratic Party allows that could actually have given him a chance, I think that that's what al allowed people to take him more seriously. You, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, yeah, obviously there's benefits to aligning with a party. Um, mm -hmm. One of the biggest things is getting press. Getting media, attention. Getting yeah. media. Yeah, the media covers the Democrats and the Republicans. They don't really cover third you know, party, th or, third party or, independent or independents. Candidate. Right. Yeah. But I want to bring up something about uh, Jill Stein because you've mentioned her. Mm -hmm. Green Party candidate. Right. You say that a lot of the things she stands for mirrors Bernie Sanders. Right. So for at least supporters of Bernie Sanders, um, even ones that say they're registered Democrat, uh, could voting, would you say voting for Jill Stein in, in that case, if you're one of those people, is voting on issues rather than on party? And is that, is that a good, I mean, is that, do you think that'd be a fair thing and a good thing to do, to vote on issues instead of people or party? I think that voting for where you stand on issues is something that should be encouraged throughout our voting process, regardless of if this is for the presidency, for Congress, what have you. Um, now, one big thing I will mention here. Now, I personally like Jill Stein. I like a lot of her views. I like that she's very close to Bernie's platform. Um, but I don't actually think that she can become president. Now, what's different here between voting for a Republican and a Democrat, when voting for a Libertarian or a Green Party candidate, there's a big difference here because when someone votes for a Green or Libertarian candidate, based upon their location, for example, we live in, a, we live in Kansas we're not a swing state. We're very, very, very predominantly red. You know, everyone votes Republican here, and our electoral votes go to the Republican Party's candidate. For someone to go and vote for a third-party candidate in Kansas, that's not going to change the electoral vote, but that's going to give Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, the two biggest third-party candidates that I'm aware of, that's going to give them general votes, popular vote. So with those two parties, what we see here is it's not really a matter of trying to get this person into office at this point. It's right, sticking to the issues. Um, however, what we see here is you're trying to get support for your issues. Because if these people are to earn 5% of the popular vote in the general election, they're granted federal funding for the next election cycle, meaning that these two parties will be forced to give, be given equal representation comparable to the Republican and Democratic parties. So 
for somebody who lives in a swing state, you may want to consider where your vote's going very seriously. For somebody who lives in a state where it's already locked in one way or another, I don't think that their your popular vote is going to affect the electoral vote that gets them into office. So if you really do agree with Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, you're convicted of their beliefs, you should vote for them. You should try and get that party equal representation alongside the Democratic and Republican parties. Um, wouldn't you agree that that's something that's... Well, right. If, if you truly believe, yeah. if you believe in, in Gary Johnson... Or Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, you should vote for them. Right. But I, I'm the only thing I'm conflicted about is is you don't necessarily believe in them or even know anything about them, but just voting for them because you don't want to vote for the other for Hillary mm-hmm. or, or Trump, and it's kind of just clearing your conscience, and like you said in Kansas where. Um, I, I read that somewhere that her if you voted for her, it might even get thrown out. In Kansas. In, or in some states. Who, Jill Stein? Yeah. Well, um, the thing about that is, is there's a process that a lot of states go through to allow her to get onto the ballot. Now, um, this right. is, I think that but, that's something that I've probably discussed a little bit, and my initial impression of how that works, I, I actually was incorrect, and I apologize for that. To, in order for her to be allowed to be written in and for it to be counted, she needs to pre-file as a candidate who can be written in. However, right now, and what we all know pretty well, is that if someone's name is printed on a ballot, they're going to get a lot more votes than if they had to be written in. Right. So right now she's trying to fight to get the same kind of representation that the other three parties are getting. Gary Johnson, Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump will all be on the ballot. Their names will be printed on it in all 50 states. Jill Stein will only be on the ballot in 23 states. Now, my personal opinion is that's completely unfair, and I don't really agree with this petition process, but you can still write Jill Stein in in a state that doesn't have her on the ballot as long as she's pre-filed as a candidate to be written in there. However... You know, I think that we should all be hopeful that she gets to be on the ballot, just like all the other all the, the other major candidates. Um, you know, doesn't that seem logical to have equal representation? Right. and I and something I've heard from Democrats and Republicans right. alike is a lot of people think that our two party system is flawed. Right. Having two choices. Oh, by all means. Because. You get in, a, in in a in an election like this, right? Where a lot of people don't like either choice, but like, say you live in the other twenty seven states that don't have Jill Stein, uh, and and you said Gary Johnson is on the ballot, but maybe th- there will be a, an election year where there's not another candidate. It's just the two. What do you you know? What do you do when there's only two candidates? Do you fall in line with your party, or? I guess your only other option would be to write someone in or not vote. Yeah, um, that's a good question, you know, and I think that that's, that's one of the flaws of the American voting system is um, our system is winner-take-all, and it's very much susceptible to fear-mongering. Now, a lot of other countries that have democratic elections have, an, I think, something called an alternative vote where 
you can vote your preferences. So I could say, go into the ballot, and I could say, um, Jill Stein or Bernie Sanders is my number one preference, but if they don't get enough votes, then my vote should go to Hillary Clinton. That's a system where, you know, if your candidate loses, then you can still vote your conscience without having to worry about the the candidate you're completely against getting into office because if your candidate loses then your vote goes to the next preference and then that way you still don't have to be part of the reason why that candidate you really dislike got into office that's a system that I think would really help American politics and it's something that could encourage multiple political parties as opposed to just the two that we have now and that's why I don't really agree with the two-party system in general, especially in a country where we have a winner-take-all vote. So is that alternative voting, um, is that effective in other, in other countries? I don't have the proper research to be able to tell you one way or another if it's really um, uh, prevented some undesirable candidates from getting into office. Uh, I can tell you right now, though, that I think that it would definitely be better than the current system that we have. That's my personal opinion. Um, I do know, however, there are some flaws with the alternative voting system as well, but not as many as the current winner-take-all system currently deals with. Okay. Well, I know we're about out of time, so yeah. I just kind of want to bring this full circle. Back to my one question that I kind of just pitched out there i haven't really given an answer we haven't it's it's that um do you believe that if you're a register if you're registered to a party right you owe some kind of loyalty to that party to vote for their candidate whether or not that's the candidate you wanted the republicans had 17 the democrats had three now there's one one of each mm -hmm. do you think that if you're registered you owe loyalty to the party, or do you think you can, you should be able to vote for whoever you want if your candidate does not get selected? Well, um, to start off, by no means do you owe anyone your vote. That's not your own free conscience being able to decide what you think is right. And I think that if the Founding Fathers were to see a system where we owed votes to one party or another, I think that they would be appalled. Um, now, I do encourage anyone who is going to be voting to please do your research and don't just look at one source. Please look at multiple sources to know if this is the person you really agree with. That's one of the biggest things that's so important in this election because we have two candidates who, you know, I, I just don't feel that great about either of them. That's something that has come with research into both of them. That's what's made me personally believe that I don't, I shouldn't vote for a Republican or a Democrat. I should look at another option. But if you want to do another option, do not just do it out of spite for these two candidates. Do your research first, and you really need to know that you actually agree with that candidate's stance. Don't just do it out of spite, because you may actually agree with Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump on the issues more so than you do with Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. Do you think do you think that's uh, yeah, that's really fair. That's yeah. really fair. If you if if you're a Republican or Democrat and you don't like your party's nominee and you want to vote for someone else, just research them. Right. Don't and and I mean research beyond watching the nightly news. Right. 
Go, and, go ahead. Oh, and you know, if if you don't like your party's candidate, then saying that you're not going to vote for that candidate sends a clear message that they need to do a better pros- a better job of you know deciding who really what do they really stand for you know because the the platforms that they have is what attracts these candidates plain and simple you know if if you are somebody who wants your party to lean further left or right then make that clear to them if you want them to be more moderate make that clear to them vote for a moderate candidate that's no that's i think that's absolutely fair right all right. Well, I think that clearly brings us to our conclusion. Adam, thank you so much for being on with us. You've brought up some very interesting points. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me on. All righty. Well, again, I'm Mark Fearborn with the Washburn Review podcast on here with Adam Vlock, and we'll see you next time.